0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the November 20th, 2020 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you so much for joining us. Governor Jared Polis announced a special legislative session Thursday to consider various coronavirus relief plans beginning Monday, November 30th. The main topics to be addressed will likely be housing, child care and small business relief. Patty Calhoun from Westward, uh, you work with a lot of small businesses that advertise in Westward, that you write about in Westward. Uh, what do you expect from this special session uh, starting on the 30th?
1: Well, let's hope we see more than we're seeing from Congress right now. Small businesses and big businesses, but especially the small mom and pop, mom and pops that haven't been able to sock away any money, or if they'd socked away any money, used it up in the first wave of the pandemic, they are really in trouble now. Although retail can stay open in the, 50, the counties that have gone up to level red, retail can stay open at 50%. Restaurants can't serve indoors. Last call at bars, which qualify as restaurants, is 8 o'clock. I mean, these are places that are really on the edge, and I think we're going to lose so many of the spots that mean so much to us, and so let's hope they have some relief packages, not just for that, cultural institutions. You've got museums across Denver closing today at 5, not the Denver Art Museum, but the smaller ones, like the Kirkland and the Clifford Still and the Molly Brown. We hope we are not talking about emergency health care at the legislative session. Today, Governor Jared Polis is in Mesa County, which, after doing pretty well, has been hit hard. No more ICU beds. So we might have to look at some more emergency health care that the legislature would have to deal with. Eviction issues. Just people will be out on the streets if they don't get some help there, too. So we have a lot to deal with. $200 million, it looks like they may be able to parcel out. They're going to have to work fast.
0: David Copel from the Independence Institute and DU Law School. We've talked many times this program that uh, the Colorado state budget is set up where it cannot deficit spend. So I guess a little bit of uh, my surprise came from I didn't know where the resources would come from for any sort of relief. Uh, What do you think will actually be part of the packages?
2: Well, the the, the money that exists now is because uh, when Governor Polis let people pay their income taxes late, in, in June instead of April if they wanted, and as it turned out, income taxes, state income taxes came in above projections, so that, that's where some of the extra uh, money comes from. We know not only what's likely but what's certain to be on the legislature's agenda because under the Constitution, when the uh, governor calls a special session, the governor lists topics for consideration, and those are the only topics the legislature consider in that extraordinary session, as it's called. And so there, uh, his call for the session had seven items on it, and I, I agree with Patty that it's going in the right direction. For example, one proposal is restaurants collect sales tax for the state. The state sales tax is 2.9 percent. Of course, there are local taxes on top of that. And he would say that uh, uh, restaurants and, and bars can keep that 2.9 percent sales tax up to two thousand dollars a month uh... for themselves which is great which might be the difference between survival or not uh... for some of them and he's likewise talking about putting twenty million dollars into helping k through twelve students with broadband access and i think that's really important right now because so many students are being forced into remote learning which is great for some but really bad for probably uh... more inaccessible in practice uh, for students who don't have access to broadband, because it's all done on Zoom. You know, it's not like uh, uh, message boards from uh, 1989 or something where you can have low bandwidth and and just do text. So I think think that's crucial and essential. And the rest of the program, his seven-point program, I, I think all deserves a serious look by the legislature.
0: Joining us remotely, Ed C. Lever, senior reporter of the Denver Business Journal. Ed, it's great to have you back on the program. Ed, uh, as some special sessions in the past uh, could start in a contentious fashion. It does not seem like this one will be that way. Clearly, we have Democrats running all levers of uh, major power in the legislature and the governor's office. But do you expect any real uh, road bu- or speed bumps to what Governor Polis wants to accomplish?
3: I don't know if speed bumps is the way that you particularly want to look at it, but what you can expect is legislators looking at this call. And, and as David pointed out, uh, the governor has laid out we're, we're meeting to talk about uh, housing and eviction rental assistance, where we're meeting to talk about uh, child care assistance, we need to talk about small business relief. Well, those are broad categories still. I think there's some question. Will some of the more liberal democratic elements uh, want to take the call to talk about housing? And rental relief to put in some sort of year long ban on evictions. Um, You know, I already know that there's at least one Republican who is taking the call for small business relief to mean I'm going to put in a bill that would give businesses limited immunity from being sued if anyone catches coronavirus there, either on the workforce or while visiting the businesses. These are the kind of things that could make it more contentious. As far as the general package goes, I don't think anybody's going to get up and say, I don't want to give targeted small business relief. I don't want to give restaurants help. I don't want to give $50 million to child care centers, uh, which are going to be increasingly important as schools shut down and decide whether or not they're going to go back or not. Um, But it's going to be how legislators interpret the call and what range of bills they're going to submit that'll determine how contentious the session gets.
0: We're rounding up the panel, Join us remotely, Omar Montgomery, president of the NAACP, the Aurora Branch. Omar, it's great to see you here. Omar, if, uh, you, if the legislative folks, uh, all the different lawmakers got a chance to talk to you before the session started, what would you have as the priorities that they should look at when we
4: see the agenda from Governor Polis? Once again, thank you for having me. But the main things I think we need to begin to look at is the housing issue. Um, we have people, small businesses run the majority of the areas where people are employed. Many of those businesses are either closing down, cannot function. Those people will end up, or those employees of those businesses will end up being the ones on the street. The one that can't pay their rent, the one that can't pay their heating, the one that can't pay their water. We need to make sure we have resources for the small businesses, as well as those that work for these companies. We need it in housing, We need to uh, possibly be able to retool people because some of these businesses will not be able to reopen. And we need to make sure that we don't have people just getting kicked out on the streets, sleeping in tents as we go into the winter months, and not having a place where their kids can learn, uh, have access to Wi Fi. We have a whole list of things that we need to address. But housing is key. If we can address housing, and making sure people's bills are paid, their essential bills are paid, I think we can cover the other issues quite easily.
0: Let's get to our next topic. and We have started it in topic one. Let's get to more details. Many restaurants and bars fear the latest safety restrictions could be a final blow as capacity limits increase and indoor dining has been halted in many counties. Restaurants aren't alone in their concerns as medium-sized companies in Colorado are currently facing some of the highest rates of bankruptcy in the region. David, we'll start with you on this one are restaurants being uh, unfairly targeted?
2: Whether or not it's unfair, they're certainly being targeted, and uh, a lot of them aren't going to survive the, the targeting. Uh, one of the things that's most absurd in, in all this is, is these curfews. Uh, there isn't any evidence that the, uh, the virus is more transmissible at 11 p.m. Uh, than at 7 p.m., and in fact, curfews, I think probably make things worse, because they crowd more people into doing whatever business they're doing at the same, ti- at the same time, so you necessarily are going to increase density uh, to some degree. The, uh, a lot so many families that own, own restaurants, bars, other small businesses, they put their life savings into it to try to be self-sufficient instead of just working for some big corporation. Uh, they're all going to be wiped out. And, and it's going to be especially bad in Denver. Uh, Colorado, by constitutional amendment, has a minimum wage that is much higher than the national minimum wage. And the Denver City Council has enacted a minimum wage that is even higher than that, with a big two-dollar an hour increase uh, up to 14.77, scheduled to go in effect on, on January one. And the the Colorado Restaurant Association has been begging. Uh, the city council uh, to reconsider that and and to postpone that by a year because with all the data we have that probably the majority of restaurants in Denver and other places are going to be wiped out uh, just by the capacity limits, then this huge increase in in wage costs, according to the Restaurant Association, 42 percent of restaurants said that alone would force them to lay off staff. So I, I think it's time for the city council to say that a A job uh, that pays a good wage is better than the theoretical job you don't have uh, that would pay a higher wage.
0: And when we look at some of the headlines, restaurants have been clearly making headlines, I think justifiably so. But the bankruptcy news this week, I think, came at least it, we haven't seen this kind of headline yet. And that seems that there's more problems on the horizon with your look at a variety of different business issues, with your position with the Business Journal. What are your thoughts on things that we might be missing when it comes to uh, things on the horizon that could be a bigger problem in the months ahead?
3: Well, I mean, I think the the things that are going to be the problem are the things that we're already seeing, quite frankly, at this point. I mean, you, you know, to piggyback on what David was saying, um, you're looking at a Colorado Restaurant Association survey that recently came out showing that 24 percent of state restaurants said they got a month left in them if they shut down indoor dining. Twenty four percent. That's thousands of restaurants closing, and there's no indication that we're going to see uh, a lifting of the indoor dining ban anytime soon. Um, Yes, the bankruptcies across the board are going to happen. Here's the bigger picture, though. Uh, It's not just about the restaurants that are going to be closing. It's not just about the uh, retail shops that are going to be closing, because that's going to happen, too. More people are simply going to stay home at this point. They're going to shop online. And if you're a smaller retail shop, you probably don't have the infrastructure set up to accommodate online like say a, a behemoth like an Amazon or a Walmart might. Um, what what we need to be talking about is beyond the closings now, what happens if offices don't go back? Um, we're already seeing most offices are shut down through it was originally January now it's July most people are saying that's gonna hollow out the core of cities like a Denver like a Fort Collins where people were used to going to the office where they would eat breakfast eat lunch they would shop for things Uh, businesses in the inner city are hurting Uh, I'll give you an example Michi uh, local pizza and Italian chain with six locations just shuttered its downtown location the other five in the suburbs are going gangbusters. They're actually year over year better than they were before. We need to consider the implications of what happens to core inner cities if we continue to see an exodus away from the office. And, and that's that's not an easy question that has an easy policy to it. I mean, you certainly can't demand anybody send their people back to the office, but that's what we need to be thinking about. It's not just about which restaurants, which bars, which breweries are going to shut down in the next two months. It's about how much are we going to have a row of blank storefronts lining downtown Denver lining downtown Colorado Springs that's going to scare people away, not just from uh, from eating or shopping there, but from tourism or even central business activities that we've typically associated with our cities.
0: Omar, we got to see you last fall when you were uh, running for mayor of Aurora. When you look at the city of Aurora right now, do you think it'll be called upon to do more for restaurants and small businesses because of the size of the city? I mean, it's the, if I'm getting the, my statistics right, it's the third largest city in Colorado. Uh, it's, it should, it, do you think it will be called upon to do more for its small businesses?
4: We're going to have to do more. You have the Havana corridor where you have a lot of small businesses um, closing down. You have the Colfax corridor they really have a lot of small businesses that are in jeopardy. These are the main employers, especially for our immigrant and refugee communities. So if we do not have support for our small businesses, helping them pay their lease, helping them being able to keep employees um, on the books, And, you know, when we talk about indoor dining, I know that's a controversial issue when we talk about infection rates and things of this nature. But I think there's a middle ground somewhere where these restaurants can stay open, survive, be able to pay their employees and we will not have an increase in unemployment and an increase in homelessness. We have to have the business community and government sit down together and figure out what is the best way to address it, address it and what is the best model. If we want to shut everything down, do we have the financial resources to support these small businesses that will not be able to reopen? if we have a total shutdown, or they can't have indoor dining. The city of Aurora has to step up. Uh, Our counties have to step step up. That includes uh, Arapahoe County, that includes Douglas County, that includes Adams County. All of them make up the city of Aurora. So it's not just the city by itself. It's the city, the counties, the state, and the federal government getting their act together so that we can begin to protect our residents that are in dire need right now.
0: Petty, uh, the whole idea of one household dining uh, outdoors would probably be a saving grace, at least a little bit, in the summer months. But I, I think even the, the, uh, the hardest core Colorado native in December is not going to want to eat outside with their family. So uh, what is there to help restaurants right now? Uh, and, and are they being unfairly targeted?
1: To go, to go, to go. So if you want to help Denver's restaurants, and I'm, all of Colorado's restaurants, Get to go, get delivery in case you would rather eat with your family in warmth as opposed to outside. It suddenly occurred to me last night, like I have no problem eating outside, but I'm going to be very lonely since I have a very small household. And I don't think I can really drag mom out. Um, So I want to go back to Aurora, which is one of the really interesting examples. It's not just the third largest city. It is the most diverse city in Colorado. And when you want to talk about flavor, independent restaurants, there are so many interesting ethnic restaurants in Aurora with one or two employees or just run by a family that's doing all the work. You go get that to-go food, and it might make the difference for them. So what we can do now, whether it's unfair or not, it's not going to change for the next month at least. Just go do whatever you can to help patronize every business in Colorado you can.
0: They're here. At time of this taping, 15 counties in Colorado are in level red status, with five more set to join them on Sunday. The red level would normally call for lockdowns. However, the Colorado Department of Health and Environment has created a new purple level. The new level of safety restrictions prevents lockdowns until hospitals reach full capacity. Uh, Ed, we start with you on this one. Does the new level of purple offer uh, flexibility to counties, or does it offer confusion?
3: Both. Uh, I think that's fair to say. Um, the idea of purple, from what I've best been able to understand, is that we were getting perilously close to a lot of shutdowns, and and the governor realized this is not where we want to go for for multiple reasons. One, because of the economic, uh, you know, terror that it would unleash on on that we've been talking about for the past two questions. Uh, but secondly, if you're going to go to full shutdowns. You've got to enforce them or lose the state's uh, authority over it. And I don't think the governor was prepared to be sending you know, uh, troops or, or calling on local um, uh, police departments to send people through neighborhoods watching for house parties, which, frankly, the, the small and medium and even larger-sized gatherings are the reason that we are in this trouble more than anything else right now with these rising coronavirus cases. Uh, and so does it cause confusion? Yeah, it probably does. Uh, a lot of people aren't sure... Exactly where that's coming in. Does it offer flexibility? Yes, it offers uh, the opportunity to to go for one oh. more um, uh, one more way to say, "Look, folks, we've got to shut this down," and that's what that's what pull us emphasize this week, hey, look, we want to give it another shot. Maybe people weren't listening before. Now that they can't dine in, maybe it'll it'll suddenly occur to them. And Now that they can't really go to their gyms unless they make a reservation, maybe it'll occur to them we, we've got to stop this. So um, I will be very curious over the next two weeks to see uh, somebody's going to go to level purple, and they're going to shut down everything in their county. Um, but I'll be curious to see if this prevents more people from going there or if this was just the stall in what is going to be an eventual statewide
0: shutdown. Omar, you touched on the last point uh, Aurora is made up of three different counties. Uh, do you think this is going to be especially confusing for a city that depending on what street you in uh, what street you were on uh, might have a different rule
4: uh, that that happened. Uh, Adams County had uh, put in more restrictions prior to Arapahoe County. Everybody know if you're on Colfax, And you're on the north side of Colfax, that's Adams County. If you're on the south side, then you're in Arapahoe County. So we've already experienced that and seen it happen. We have to have clear guidelines for the city of Aurora because Douglas County can say one thing, which is what we saw at the beginning of the pandemic, and Arapahoe County saying something different. So, how do we get Tri County to get all the counties on board so that we can have clear health guidelines for our businesses and for our residents? So that, you know, the city of Aurora is, isn't is divided in three different areas where it's causing confusion, not just for the residents, but also for business survival. So and it also dictates where we channel resources from the state. So it, the, city, um, the city needs clarity from Tri-County, from all three counties to make sure they're on the same page so that people will not be negative, negatively impacted because they're inconsistency among the three different um, counties.
0: Patty, I saw a lot of folks on Twitter uh, either using a metaf- uh, you know, uh, memes from Spinal Tap going to 11, but also a lot of this equating the purple level as a parent saying counting to three and saying two and three quarters. It's like right in the edge of something. What do you think?
1: Well, I think Polis really did not want to issue a shutdown thing across the state. He's always said that counties could have some variance in what they wanted to do, but now counties that hit that certain level, level red, level purple, looks, sounds like Mesa might be the first. When you hit those, uh, you do have to obey certain things by the state. You can make them stricter in your county if you want to. And Mayor Hancock was speaking today. We don't know yet what he said, but I'm guessing the museum shutdowns, for example, were an option, maybe not an order by the state, but to err on the side of caution, the smaller museums in Denver did shut down today. So let's just hope we can't, we can't add any more colors. There is no fuchsia. I mean, I, I think if it's fuchsia, it'll be black for all of us. So let's hope this works and we don't have to go to the shutdown.
0: David, uh, is expanding this threat level issue giving uh, counties more local controls at helping them?
2: Well, I, I think it's a recognition by Governor Polis that, that as a practical matter, lockdowns aren't going to house arrest orders, aren't enforceable. Uh The way they they might have been back in in March or April, when people actually believed the government was telling the telling the truth about this, but you know we we've seen Donald Trump and Anthony Fauci and Andrew Cuomo and the so-called World Health Organization and on and on uh, have been constantly, often lying about this, and people aren't willing to obey, and they're not, and a lot of law enforcement, which is after all accountable to and. From the people, uh, isn't going to go around enforcing. I mean, maybe in New York City you can get the New York City Police Department to go with their binoculars and spy on the Jews and find out if there's 11 people in a room. Uh, but Colorado law enforcement's not going to do that. You know, we're we're now 250 days after the beginning of 15 days to stop the spread. But I, I think the the wise thing in all this is using hospital capacity as the proper metric. That was the reason for the. 15 days long ago not that we're ever going to wipe this virus out uh, we're going to have to, to manage it but the objective is to manage it so that hospitals don't get over capacity and so even if you don't believe anything the government tells you which is probably true these days um, you should still be cautious and use your own common sense and, and stay out of trouble and in that way help the healthcare care workers.
0: Let's get to our favorite part of the show, Disgrace the Week, as always. Ms. Calhoun, please start us off.
1: Well, there are plenty of conspiracy theories going around right now. Remember the good one about how after the election, the pandemic would disappear because it was just, you know, a function of the media and the Democrats? Sadly, that has not come true, but maybe that's because the election doesn't seem to be over. And this nonstop tweeting by President outgoing president, Donald Trump, Giuliani's press conference, all pointing the figure at alleged voting fraud, which comes straight here to Denver where Dominion Voting Services is set up. We interviewed Wayne Williams, former secretary of state. He goes, you know, they did really well in Colorado, and maybe the other systems aren't set up as well in other states, but we have no evidence of this voter fraud.
2: David? Speaking of destruction of people's livelihoods, the Colorado Oil and Gas Conservation Commission uh, accidentally sent out an internal email uh, showing the uh, uh, employees mocking uh, the oil and gas companies for their, their very existence, calling them names like bad oil and gas and really rich and, and so on. And the, the Governor Polis appropriately said that that was the wrong thing to say, whatever you think. But it tells you the attitudes of the staff. And, it, 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 and the commission, as appointed by Governor Polis, is on the way towards the destruction of our oil and gas industry and wiping out even more jobs in Colorado. Ed, we go to you.
3: While we are so fixated on this election, Iran—this is the country whose official policy is death to Israel. Let's remember—has ramped up its uh, nuclear program once again, uh, and has centrifuges going at record speeds, uh, producing nuclear uh, fuel that could be used in weapons. Both the current president and the incoming president need to focus on this, and I mean focus on it like it's as important as coronavirus. Because if we forget about our enemies abroad, while we are fighting this virus enemy at home, we are soon going to be in a whole different world of hurt.
4: Omar, your turn. You know what? I know we didn't get a chance to get to this topic, but transportation is very big to me. My mother was a bus driver, and I know what bus drivers go through, and we're talking about laying off up to 400 employees from our um, public transportation system. Um, I think we need to reimagine transportation. I think we need to figure out how do we make it an experience instead of just a tool of getting uh, to and from work. Can we add Wi-Fi? Can we add other things to make, uh, to make public transportation attractive? Because one, we needed to make sure our environment is clean. And two, we need it for those who do not have cars and need to get from A to B and not be stuck in traffic. So with that stated, I think we need to reimagine transportation as we move forward in the state of Colorado so that everyone can benefit from what it has to offer. Time to see something nice about somebody. Patty?
1: Denver lost a great citizen this week, Sam Gary, who came here, made a fortune, then spent a fortune on good works and has really helped out so many different areas of this city.
0: He found the Piton Foundation, which helped right. Channel 12 get into this building. David?
2: Mildred Taylor, a uh, bolder author uh, who, among other things, wrote this book, Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry, uh, winner of the Newbery Medal, and uh, used in, in so many schools around the country. It's a, a memoir from, of her own family uh, growing up black in, in Mississippi uh, in the, the Jim Crow days, and a, a realistic look at, at life in, in, in those times, and has been such a, an eye-opening book for so many people. And just got banned by the Burbank, uh, California school district. More cancellation, more prohibitions, more shutting down of, of all intellectual life in our current Maoist era. Ed.
3: Uh, Monarch Casino opened up its long-awaited renovation this week. Why is this important? Because it's going to add 700 jobs at a time uh, that, uh, that we need jobs in this state. And it's also, frankly, going to do a lot to improve the reputation of Blackhawk. See it as more of a destination. And maybe if we can keep people in-state um, who decide to go oh. gaming rather than flying out of state, we can keep more money here for more services
4: and even more jobs
3: can be created.
4: Omar, wrap it up for us. Hey, I just want to give a shout out to all of our teachers. I think sometimes they're the forgotten heroes. They're the ones that's either in the class or on Zoom and trying to do everything they can to educate our kids. I just can't name one teacher. I want to uh, send a shout out to all of our educators. Thank you for sticking with us through COVID. Continue to have patience with our kids and continue to do the great work you're doing to make sure that our kids are well prepared for the future workforce are going to college thank you.
0: Here, here. Well said, Omar. Two quick programming notes before we go. First, this Sunday at 7:30, I'm so psyched about this. We will offer an American classic right here in PBS 12, Charlie Brown's Thanksgiving Special. PBS and Apple made it possible, and we're proud to bring it to you, bring you this great program again Sunday at 7:30 on our broadcast signal only. So do not miss it. Also, being Thanksgiving week next week, we're going to take the week off for Colorado Inside Out. So we'll bring you to our favorite Time Machine specials next Friday, 8 p.m. We go back to 1876 where a presidential election came down to the wire. When has that ever happened? And at 8.30, we go back to 1923, when a certain Mayor Stapleton was a very controversial figure in Denver. We hope you all have a very wonderful and healthy Thanksgiving. That is all the time we have for this episode of Colorado Inside Out. I'm Dominic and On behalf of everybody here at PBS 12, have a wonderful Thanksgiving, and thank you so much for watching. Good night. <laughs>